Welcome to Indie Radio, broadcast number 58. Indie Radio is an indie game development talk show which is here to bring you interviews with both large and lesser known developers, recap the latest news, debate about topics in indie gaming, and to give you some tips and tricks for your journey into game development. Today is March 28th, 2015, and I will be your host, Brett Hudson, broadcasting live from the Midwest United States. With us today, we have a guest. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, hey, uh, my name is Felix. I am an indie. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> I do indie stuff. Thanks for having me on. Yep, no problem. <laughs> All right, so uh, as usual, uh, there is an IRC channel that you can join. Uh, so you can chat with me and Felix during the show. It is on the irc.afternet.org network, and the channel is Indie Function, I-N-D-I-E, Function. Uh, and if you don't have an IRC client or don't feel like opening it up, there also is a or embedded web client on the radio page. So if you're listening in at indiefunction.com slash radio, you can just jump right in there and join the chat and ask questions and be silly, do whatever you want. So, uh, first up, XNA is, like, officially mm-hmm. out of the door. Uh, Mono Games just dropped it, so that means nothing's using it anymore. It's finally do- over with, which is kind of sad. Yeah, which is finally... Good. Well, I don't know. Finally is kind of the word. Yeah, it, it needed to die, but at the same time... It was a great thing, and there's nothing really replacing it, so it's kind of sad. But yeah, um, I mean, Mono Game, like I said earlier when we were chatting, I haven't really thought about using Mono Game in a while. But uh, I've heard a bunch of people over overheard a bunch of people talking about it at GDC, and uh, this, it seems like people are still interested, which is really good. So it's nice that they sort of, I don't know, I feel like they had to in order to move forward at all with Mono Game. They had to do this. So, we'll see. Um, we'll see where they go from here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, the the uh, mono game seems like it works on Windows 7, 8, 8.1, uh, Mac OS using MonoDevelop, and also Linux. And there's a new content builder tool that uh, helps you build for all these platforms. And, oh, scrolling down on the news article, there's even more platforms that I missed. Uh, Android, iOS, uh, Ouya... Uh, OpenGL DirectX and Windows Universal apps, which uh, the writer. Says I don't really know what that is. <laughs> so let's let's keep on scrolling down. Yeah, this is a really long article. I kind of just skimmed it. Oh um, yeah, I don't. I don't actually know what Windows Universal apps means. I mean, I haven't thought about that kind of thing in a while Universal. either. But future Universal. It's an app template for Windows Eight slash Windows Phone Eight. Okay. And oh, okay. it will also support Windows 10 Universal apps as soon as the SDK is available. Ah, cool. Yeah, when is cool. Windows 10 coming out? I keep hearing about it. Yeah, I, I mean, we're going to hear about it for a while, I, I assume. But uh, that's sort of their marketing strategy is to talk about stuff for long enough that you're like, oh, I thought that was already out. And then suddenly stuff is shipping with it, right? So, um, no, I have no idea when they're actually going to be ready with that. I hope they take their time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We don't need another rushed OS anytime soon. No. No. <laughs> sure. But yeah, yeah, I think this will be good. Um, and the team seems excited about it. Like, this article reads really excited, which mm-hmm. is nice, because Monogame is one of those things that, like, was kind of just there for a long time, and I don't feel as though there was, like, much buzz about it. Um, and they are really excited to provide it. I'm pretty sure they all work for free. Like, all of them. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. uh, which is, like... So lovely of them, and what's what you know what makes the 
sort of dev world go round is people like this who are willing to do that. So that's pretty cool. Oh yeah, look, it says right there even. Did I mention that no one on Mono Game Team is getting paid for this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I mean, thank you to those types of people who keep doing this. So yeah, that's, that's awesome. such an indie thing to say too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, we're not really making money off of this, but we really like it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So mm. Uh, but a company is making money off of their uh, product, and it's called Unity 5. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic transition. Uh, so Unity 5 came out, and we talked about it on the last broadcast, but uh, since then, two days after we had Dom on, there was a post with all of this information that they finally got up. There's new tutorials. Uh, there's this thing called Unity Labs. Um, which yeah, is you do sound sweet. mixing and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And then they have uh, not only updated the tutorials for Unity 5, but they've also added new ones to encompass all the all the features that they've added. So anybody that wants to jump in and start playing with the new stuff can now, which is super great. Yeah, I think that's that was one thing that they were lacking uh, in, immensely. Like, it was brutal. It was good tutorials. I mean, you could sort of pick up someone else's tutorial, but Unity itself, like, Unity-sanctioned tutorials were sort of on the low end. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's really great that they did it. I've heard really good things about them. I have not used them yet. Uh, I did open up Unity 5 briefly and was like, oh no, the UI changed. I'm screwed. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> that's about as far as I've gotten with Unity 5 so far as just to be like, oh no, I need to dedicate a whole day to like learning new UI stuff, mm-hmm. uh, which is fine. It's not that bad. You just need to dedicate to it and actually do it. Right? So, But uh, apparently it's better. Which is good. I mean, it's hard to make UI changes and make them better. So, uh, according to a bunch of people I know, it's it's improved a lot. So, yeah, I I upgraded one of my projects and opened it up, and it didn't work. So I was like, "Yep, double yeah. Unity factor <laughs> for today. I'm not I'm not fixing this." Well, that was also every time <laughs> Unity updated. Yeah. That was, that's not specific to Unity five. <laughs> yeah, so. but that's that's been my roadblock from actually really getting into it because I'm like, I'm not doing this right now. Yeah. No, I agree. But, you know, it's such a good tool. It's so universal in terms of uh, accessibility. Like, lots of people are using it. And if you want to work with a team, it's definitely one of the, one of the like, main go-tos. So it's important to learn, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, so itch.io. They launched an open revenue sharing, which is pretty cool. Yeah, um, it's if, so lovely. If you haven't heard of itch.io, it's... <laughs> It's a fantastic site where you can upload indie games and uh, sell them as well. And what's what's cool and unique about their uh, model is that it's kind of like Bandcamp, where you can purchase it for the amount that they want, or you can uh, give them a little tip, or you know, go crazy and give them like a hundred dollars or something if you want, but... Go crazy. Uh, Just go crazy and <laughs> give them a hundred... Give them the same amount of money you spent on Destiny so far. Oh my goodness. Sorry. Yeah. I'm bitter about that because I've spent it probably about $100 on Destiny. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah I, I haven't played Destiny. I'm not, not really into shooters. And I don't have a console that... Or no, is it on PS3? No. Oh, no. uh, yes, yes, it is. I'm okay. It is. So, I, I guess I lied. I do have a platform that can support it. Uh, but yeah, so the itch.io uh, revenue sharing um, basically means that developers can choose an amount of their revenue to share with each purchase. So uh, the default is 10%, and uh, they can adjust the percentage to anything that they want. And uh, 
further in the article, it says that uh, they've been around for two years, which I didn't even know. I thought they were only around for a year. But H.I.O.? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, they've been around for a while. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. Um, but yeah, so if you want to read more about that, you can go to the uh, news article. Uh, these, these will be posted up uh, on the archive page. So if you're listening in live, uh, I guess I'll share it in the IRC, which you should definitely get at. Um, uh, yeah, itch.io is so good. Like, uh, pretty much everyone I work with has a Steam page and then also an itch.io page. And, like, um, they're so good to us. Like, they're mm-hmm. just so selfless about oh, yeah. hosting our games and then giving us most of the money. Like, it's not... it's They, they aren't looking to make money off this. And so that slider is so cool because you can, like choose to support both of us simultaneously and it's good for us and good for them and it's just this like awesome mutual benefit relationship and I love them like recently uh, one of the games that I've worked on like we chose to drop our price on itch.io more than other places because we're still going to make more money every time someone buys it on itch.io mm-hmm. at a lower price than we will anywhere else and we love them and they're so good to us so it's like no matter what hosting your stuff on there even if you're selling it for free is awesome because it'll give them a bigger name and like spread them out there even more so mm-hmm. yeah um i was working on a game well i wasn't working on a game i was working on the website for a game and uh they wanted me to customize their itch.io page and if you want to do that you got to contact uh the owner and he replied so fast like he's so lovely yeah like whoa and he's like oh yeah here you go whatever if you need any help, just send me an email. I was like... Was that Leaf? Whoa. Um, I think so. I don't remember. Yeah. It was a month ago. Oh, they're great. They're all great. But yeah. Oh, my goodness. It's not I Definitely check it out. Get a few games there. Create a profile. Upload your games. Yeah. Uh, Even if they're little little games, do it. It's yeah, good. for sure. Create a little yeah. portfolio on itch.io. You can customize the page and make it look all fun. It's cool. All right. Uh, the next tool that has some news is Stencil. Stencil 3.3 is out. Um... And that's coming from the last release, 3.2, which uh, was in December. So uh, three months. That's not too bad. Uh, So what's new with this one? Uh, They have 64-bit iOS games. Yeah, that's really cool. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Looking at that now. Uh, And then on the opposite uh, side of the spectrum, they uh, added Android uh, support for Google Purchases uh, version 3. So you can now use the latest uh, version of Google's in-app purchases service. Uh, there's some improvements to design mode, which makes uh, the drag block to palette. Wait, drag block to palette to delete it. Oh, okay. So if you have a uh, a code block uh, in your action queue, I'm I'm not sure what the correct terminology is. I haven't used Stencil in ages. Uh, that sounds right. But if you drag it back to the like uh, palette that all the actions are default on that you can drag them over it just deletes it um and then they have some other cool stuff and then they say that there's over a hundred bug fixes so yeah well with a with a with a tool like stencil or scratch or whatever you're using there's going to be so many tiny little bugs Mm -hmm. on their end uh so that's nice that's good that's reassuring a hundred bug fixes (laughs) sounds grueling but Mm mm-hmm and then they do have a full uh, change list, which we're not going to go through. Uh, if you want to, yeah. you can go on the uh, blog.sensil.com and check it out. There's way more, and they have all the technical details. Build 8281. All that. Uh, last up in our news uh, is uh, Valve. Uh, last time we mentioned that they announced their 
partnership with HTC working on the Vive VR, which they announced the day before GDC. Just out of the blue. Yeah, it was super good. I mean, yeah, it was super good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, As only Valve can do. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, I I was like, what? Really? You guys are doing it? (sighs) Like, it was definitely a really good move, but I was just, wow. Oh, it's just a very Valve move. So them, (laughs) yep. So, uh, sign-ups for free Vive VR dev kits uh, open next week. So, developers interested in working with it can request a dev kit from Valve, and if they get accepted, they can get one for absolutely free, it sounds like. Um, But uh, more info will be coming out next week, so if you are interested, uh, keep your eyes out for that. Um, And uh, if you miss it, we'll probably talk about it on the next broadcast, so long as I don't forget. (laughs) So... You won't yep. forget. People will be talking about it everywhere. Yeah, probably. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, there's uh, a limited amount of kits. They say extremely limited. So if you're planning on uh, signing up for this, you better spend the next week just churning out some great content to send their way. We need this game on Vive VR. So no, no pressure. <laughs> no pressure. Zero pressure. Yeah. Yep. And then it, me I believe it also to comes add that with to the my controller. calendar, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the controller comes with the dev kit as well, the new uh, Steam controller, which uh, they did a little bit of talk about it earlier this week, I think. Or maybe I was just reading somebody's impression of it. Have you gotten a chance to use it yet? Uh, the new Steam controller or the old one? Uh, either, I guess. Yeah, I have a lot. I have a couple of the old ones, the ones that they released last year. Uh, they're a neat idea, uh, <laughs> is what I will say. Um, I, I didn't get used to them, which is weird because I, I was sure I would get used to it. Uh, but the concepts behind them are really good. It's just that it's one of the, it's so radically different from anything you've used that it's um, it's really difficult to to translate your skills from like a PlayStation controller over to a Steam controller. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. We'll see if that's something that they've iterated on. And they're really good at iterating. Like, they change things all the time. They have unlimited resources, so they can, right? Yep. Um, or essentially unlimited resources. So um, I'm really curious to see what that what that looks and feels like now. Uh, but I think people that, people that tried the VR demo, the new VR demo, got to use them. And nobody mentioned anything about it, which is a good sign. Like, nobody said anything about the new controller that I know of, which means that it felt either really natural or didn't get in the way of their VR experience and that kind of thing. So if they were using the new version, then that's a really good sign. Mm-hmm. So. I think what I read was it looked really weird. Somebody was commenting, <laughs> like, oh, yeah, this looks weird. And then somebody else is like, it feels really I mean, yeah, weird. It's a- <laughs> yeah, it does look weird. It's got, like, two giant, um, you know, it's like an owl face. It's yep. kind of weird, but, I mean... Whatever, if it functions, I don't really care what it looks like. I'm not a, I'm not a, a person that needs style over over function. So, so uh, the dark one asks in our IRC, which everybody should definitely jump in. Uh, he says, "Have they mentioned anything, or or she? Uh, have they mentioned anything more about the licensing terms for Source Two? I haven't heard anything about this. Have you?" No, I haven't heard anything either. Um, I'm skeptical because licensing with Source is sort of something that um, I know friends have had issues with. Uh, so I, I don't know. I don't know whether they're actually going to talk about that or not uh, before they actually release kits, right? Like, it might be something they only talk with 
uh, developers about that they're actually sending kids to. Mm-hmm. But that would make sense, yeah. Yeah, yeah, to start at least. Hush, hush. We can't talk about it. Uh, I mean, it's just like they can afford to not talk about it. Like, yeah. that's that's what it is. It's like less that we can't talk about it and more like Valve's like, well, oh, we can just afford to tell a few people this. <laughs> so, yeah. it's funny. Mm-hmm. All right. So, we're all through the news. On to the interview. <sighs> so, Felix. Is it the me hour? It's the me hour. It's, yeah, it's, it's the me exciting. hour. It's it's kind of offset by 17 minutes, but that's, that's just how uh, our clocks uh, work uh, in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. All right. So cool. yeah, thanks for coming on. It's like you're here, and it Yay, took ages. Did it. it took a while, but <laughs> we did it. Yeah, because you were like, "Oh yeah, I, I can't do that weekend because I got this going on." Oh, that week? No, I can't do that. How? I think we wanted you to come on f- the first broadcast in January, yes. and you were busy for like five <laughs> of the broadcasts. It's yeah, like, it was. Uh, there were conventions. Every every weekend, it felt like so. Yep. Um, or I was traveling; like I was literally on a plane uh, for a bunch of those. So yeah, I I'm glad I made it finally. I mean, we we caught me on a Saturday that I had off, so this is mm-hmm. my this is what I'm spending my Saturday off doing, guys. Just talking to you, which is nice. <laughs> yes, so. awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'm just um, as fun as a convention, then I guess. Oh, you are. You're you're way easier than a convention. You are. <laughs> we are having fun here. This is this is a breeze. This is a joy. So you can sit yeah. back, relax, sip your exactly. tea. I'm in my pajamas. Nobody I, even needs to see me. That's I why last night I, I messaged you. I was like, "Hey, do I need to be on video? Like, do I need to get up at eight in the morning <laughs> and get myself dressed to be on this podcast? Just in case. I mean, I don't. I don't remember there being video for any of them. But maybe you've changed something. So yeah. yeah. Last night we're just like, <laughs> you know what? Let's let's do video today. I'm, I'm wearing yeah. my cutie. Well, who knows? Maybe. I'm, I'm wearing my cutie shirt. I just want to show it off, you know. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I actually wore it today. <laughs> so. I was going to show you before the the broadcast, but I kind of forgot. That's okay. You can take a selfie later. That's good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. Yeah. So uh, this past year has been super crazy, but um, it's been really good, uh, and I'm really happy to like see shows like yours like continue and like do really good stuff and have really great people on you've got such a cool guest lineup that i'm <laughs> so honored to be in here i totally am like it's so cool so mm-hmm. yeah no it's like seriously i i see someone on twitter and i'm like they look interesting so i add them to my list and if i see him again that's like oh hey i should probably uh have this uh person on um but yeah no do you do you remember uh, where we ran into each other for the first time? I assume it was the IndieCade PlayStation party where <laughs> yep. you wanted to talk to Rami, and I was like, I can make that happen. You need to, you need someone <clears throat> to like sit him down and be like, talk to this person. And then I just took you outside and I was like, sit here until he's done talking to this other person, and then you just jump in. Um, was... and am I right? Is that correct? Yes, that was our second encounter. Oh, the first cool. encounter was in the PlayStation uh, line. You were so- talking to Stevie, um, I can't pronounce his last name, but he's got green hair, too. And like, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you guys were like, oh, whoa, green well, hair. We were, we were twins. Like, yeah. We, were, we, were, we, we both had green hair and the same glasses. Yes, that was it. And we're about the same, like, build and size. And so it was really kind of, people kept telling me that I had a doppelganger, and I kept saying, like, oh, that's funny, like, I get that all the time, because I'm like... I'm vaguely, I'm mixed race and like look like a bunch of different things. And so it, I'm used to hearing, oh, I saw your sister. 
uh, or like your your brother. Like I get that all the time. And then I saw Stevie, and I was like, wait, this is actually kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then of course me, all dumbfounded. I'm like. I feel like I know who this is, but I don't. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, are you Lego butts? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Okay, like, so that's a question. It's so funny. I accidentally branded myself as Lego butts. It was not intentional. And by the time I had come so far and gone to my first convention where people knew me as Lego butts, like after I, I got to, I don't know, it was like probably PAX a couple years ago or something, and people were like, oh yeah, Lego butts on Twitter. I was like, shit, I completely, <laughs> I can't go back. Like, I can never let go of this now. It's it's how people are going to know me forever. I may as well embrace it. And so the, mm-hmm. the exclamation, are you Lego butts, is something that like is still the most surreal thing to hear because you're like, A, does this person know me from the internet? Weird. And B, did they just say, are you Lego butts out loud? Like, what if I'm not? <laughs> like, what if, what if it's not me? Like, what, what do you, how do you, how do you recover then? from that? <laughs> Yeah, you don't, right? And that's actually happened several times. I have a friend, Arden, and they're, like, also, they, they also had green hair and also work conventions and work booths and stuff. And I think they were at, like, oh, one of Christine Lutz's booths or something. <laughs> and someone asked them, are you Lego butts? And they were like, no. And that person must have been like, fuck. Like, what do I say? <laughs> like, where do you go? You just walk away, right? Like, I assume you just walk away. You're like, I, yeah, anyway. I, so, I need to leave the convention right now and never return. Yeah, exactly. Never return. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure that happened to us. I'm sure you said mm-hmm. that. And I was overwhelmed and embarrassed and shy about it, I'm sure. And um, <laughs> it was good. Indiecade was a, like a, I love Indiecade, but Indiecade oh for God. me was <clears throat> a blur because it, mm-hmm. I ran into so many technical difficulties at organizing night games. That yeah, I at night games I came up to you and I was like, "Oh, hey, thanks for thanks for having me uh, talk to Rami." And you like had to go instantly, and I was like, oh, "I didn't know she was working here." It's like, oh, yeah, oh, I, had no. like a, I had like a mic in my ear. <laughs> yeah, and I was probably listening to both you and someone scream in my ear that we didn't have the right adapter for some projector somewhere. <laughs> it was just like. It's fine. Next year is going to be so much better. I've got everything planned in advance. We mm-hmm. ran into, you know, that's what technical difficulties are. Mm-hmm. You run into them one time and then you plan for them the next time. But it did make for the longest night of my life. Like probably, the, probably actually up there in the top five longest nights of my life. So, yeah. um, but uh, like I say, I, I try to put out the fire. I don't even put out fires. Like, no, that's uh, what the firefighters like, did during uh, right. the talk. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, it's, it's more of a, it's more of a situation in which I like put up a curtain and pretend like there's no fire there. Like I don't even really put it out. I just hide it from you, the person that's <laughs> experiencing the thing I'm organizing. Um, so yeah, I'm not. I am yeah. I, a total wreck during those things. So apologies if I didn't if I didn't pay attention to you. At all, oh, but whatever. I, as soon as I knew you were busy, I was like, whatever. I did the same thing to Robin Arna. I was like, Robin, what's up? And I like tried to give him a hug. And he's like, dude, I'm oh, really yeah, busy Robin right now. And I'm like, together that night. So, oh yeah. crap. <laughs> Why is everybody busy? Can I even talk to anyone? <laughs> not the organizers. No, not yeah. the organizers. Didn't know who any anybody was that was organizing it. Yeah, I was... I don't know. I guess in my mind, like, you guys would have had, like, giant uh, orange suits that said, don't talk to me or something. Don't talk to me, yeah. Yeah, I mean, next year I'm definitely going to get us t-shirts that say uh, staff. So mm-hmm. people are like, oh, staff. Um... But yeah, it was good. It was a good mm-hmm. night overall. Everybody said they had fun, and oh, yeah, it was a complete nightmare for us, and, and a total fun night for everybody else. And that's the only thing that counts. So, good job, us. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, 
having said that, I should probably talk about what I do so people aren't like, what do you do? Yeah, no, that's one of our questions. Like, you you do uh, PR from what it sounds like? What What is this PR? Is it kind of like well, IT? It's, it's, actually, it's actually more complicated <laughs> than that. So uh, I'll tell you the, the short version of the story. I went to school for programming. I went back to school for programming, um, programming. in my mid-20s, like, almost late-20s, I guess. And uh, my first degree was in journalism. And then I was like, I love journalism, but also this is a gong show. I don't want to be doing this right now. Uh, I would love to be making games. And so um, I thought I needed to go back to school for it. So I did. And about three and a bit years into my degree, I um, I realized that indie games were becoming uh, a thing you could actually do. I didn't have to go into AAA. I was like, oh, this is viable. I could make games without needing to be, uh, like, employed by EA or something. So I quit school and uh, started making little games and, like, just programming and doing my own thing because I was like, I don't need to pay school anymore to teach me how to program. I can probably learn this on my own like everybody else has. Uh, and in the indie game scene, sort of dropping out of university is kind of like a rite of passage. <laughs> it's like this thing that we've all done. So I felt I felt fine about it. Um. And then when I started making games and started getting to know the community, the indie game community, I realized that nobody in the indie game community understood how to talk to press. And nobody understood how marketing a game, especially a small game, uh, works. And, I mean, to be fair, neither did I. But I had a better <laughs> understanding of it. I had a better understanding of it, if only because I came from a background of journalism. Mm-hmm. So uh, I remember I was talking to my buddy, uh, Matt Thorson, and he asked me one night, we were hanging out at Indie House in Vancouver, and he asked me one night what I'd like to do, and I was like, well, it's like midnight, I'm, I'm like cutting vegetables or something. Like, I don't, I don't know, whatever. It's the thing you do when you're an indie dev is you cut vegetables at midnight. <laughs> and uh, I'm like slicing vegetables, and I, I can hear, I can see him looking at me, and he's like, well, what do you think you could do? And I was like, well, I'm an okay programmer, and I'm an okay artist, and I'm an okay do- designer, but I'm not good enough at any of those things to really dive into it right now. Like, I kind of need to make a job for myself. Like, I need I need money, as everybody does, to live. And I need to, I need to sort of decide what I'm going to do for the next couple of years. And he mm-hmm. was like, well, what are you good at? And I was like, I don't know. I'm pretty good at talking to press, and I'm, I understand how that works. And he was like, why don't you just do PR? And it had never occurred to me ever to that indie games would need PR. Like, it had just not occurred to me yet. I, I kind of looked up at him, and I was like, oh, that is really good idea. And he was like, well, do you want to work on Towerfall a bit? And I was like, yes, yes, I would like to work on Towerfall. <laughs> um, and it was just really nice. It was like this, uh, we were all just hanging out and uh, it was a moment where I was like, oh, maybe I'll try this out. I'll try out talking to press for indie developers. And within like four months, people were sort of knocking at my door asking if I could do that with them because it's something that none of us think about. We're mm-hmm. so busy developing a game and we're so busy um, trying to get it to work, that we forget that after it's done, now what? Right? We forget that there's this whole step between finishing a game, completing a game, and getting it into the hands of some people that want to play it. Like there's this whole gap. Um, and so I, I started on that road over a year ago. I was like, okay, I will, I will try this out, and it, it was really successful in the sense that lots of people, excuse me, I have the hiccups. Lots of people <laughs> needed it. And uh, and lots of people were really interested in hearing more about it. So what I do is, and, and it's shifted over the years, so what I started out doing was strict development. What I ended up doing was PR, and that is providing um, advice and, and joining a team early on to be able to speak about the team with confidence to press. 
Uh, and then, and, and organizing all that, sort of doing all the logistics for events and making sure it's all smooth so that developers can actually finish the goddamn game because that's the thing mm-hmm. you need to do. And to take out the five days to, you know, go to an event is a lot. That's a lot. It's five days out of development. Uh, and you lose your steam and you sort of lose momentum and, and that kind of thing. So all of that stuff I organized. But it sort of turned into uh, more of a producer role because a thing that a lot of people don't really understand and, and, and granted, it's because, again, we're so focused on making the game, mm-hmm. um, is that you can't do PR, you can't do outreach to press and talk about your game if you don't understand your timeline for the game creation, for development. Okay. Um, and so a lot of my role is a combined producer-PR role, where I work with a team for a long time to determine what the timeline looks like, when we'll be content ready, when we'll actually, like have something to show and if that's a good idea to show then because it has to play into the next thing we show and it has to has to have purpose right yeah so a lot of what i do ends up being way more production than it than it is uh strictly pr um and the reason i'm good at production i think and i attribute it to the fact that i i do code and i do design and i do a little bit of everything so it's a lot easier for me to talk to all parts of a team which you know i guess in the case of like towerfall is all one person but in other in other scenarios, like I'm working with um, SoundSelf right now, which is a VR experience, uh. and that Robin, Robin, I mean, you've had Robin on, so you yep. know. So I'm producing SoundSelf, and in that scenario, I'm working with multiple parts of the team. There's artists, there's the coder, there's a person making the tools for the coder to actually use. Mm-hmm. So you've got all these different working parts, and <clears throat> if you don't understand each one of those parts individually, then produce production is like uh, it's awful. Like you just you're you're just talking out of your ass the entire time. But mm-hmm. if you do, then you can actually get something done, right? So I learned that while not being great at any one thing might seem like a disadvantage. Like I'm only good at all those things. It's actually a huge advantage to have that wide variety of skills uh, to a certain extent, such that I can speak to every part of a team and and help them finish their game. Right, so mm-hmm. that's actually what I do. That's like the most. It turned into like the long version. Sorry, I've been talking forever. <laughs> yeah, um, to to make it short, <laughs> talks for ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, uh, so exactly. So TLDR, I do production, and that plays into PR. Perfect. Yeah, no, that that was definitely a good uh, description. Uh, I didn't know you did quite all of that. Like, it sounds way more intense than like what I would have imagined your definition yeah. would have been. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, and that's and that's just it too. People like don't. I, I, and that's fine. Like also being PR or producer means that your name is often not the first name that people see, right? Mm-hmm. So like a project releases and you're not like, oh, I did all this stuff. It's you. You want the name of the game and the name of the developer, the like main developer on the game to be seen, and you sort of take the back seat. And that's good. I really like that. I really like. Um, having that sort of like being able to say, well, I worked on this and this and this, but never having to be the like face of those things because I find that just exhausting, like mm-hmm. 100% exhausting. So this is really good. It's a really good fit for me, I think. So besides uh, Towerfall and uh, SoundSelf, what other games have you worked on? So Towerfall was like a very short uh, thing that I worked on, um, but after that I moved on to, um, well, I'm currently working with a few different teams. I'm working with a team called Tiger Style on something called Spider 2, Right of the Shrouded Moon. Okay. Um, they made Waking Mars, uh, which is a title that a lot of people are familiar with, and it. Spider, the original Spider, which is like a fantastic one game of the year and like a bunch of awards in a few years ago. Um, and so they're making the sequel, uh, which is fantastic. It's beautiful. It's stunning. I'm proud to work with them. 
Um, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry. Uh, I'm working with a multiplayer game called Slash Dash, uh, which is um, a fun little New York-based group um, called Never Not Games, and it's a 2v2 uh, capture the flag ninja game. Adorable. Love it. I love <laughs> multiplayer, like local multiplayer, so I'm a sucker for them. If anybody approaches me with a local multiplayer game, I'm often <laughs> like, take me on. I love you. You're great. Um, and they're just fantastic. They're going to be releasing later this year, so that's awesome. Uh, I'm working with Iron Galaxy, uh, who are, I think, most famous probably for um, KI, uh, and they also do uh, publishing of indie games, um, which is some, something that they've done for a long time but are announcing in a big way soon, and they've mm-hmm. brought me on to do PR for their three main indie Ooh. games, which is Capsule Force, uh, which is Austin-based, and then um, uh, Gunsport, which is uh, San Francisco-based, and then Video Ball, which is Tim Rogers' game. And all three of those games are competitive multiplayer games uh, versus, you know, fighting games. So uh, if, if anybody wants to take you on, like, have, have you come yeah, have you uh, come work with them? It needs to be a mo- local multiplayer game, basically, no, is what you're saying? No, it just ends up being, ended up being what I fell into after Towerfall, <laughs> for sure. Uh, it, is, it is the way to my heart, is, like, offer me a local multiplayer game and we'll all play uh, together and I'll fall <laughs> in love with it and be like, I'll work for free. Uh, but, um, no, truly... Uh, I work with a bunch of different a bunch of different teams. I've, I've got a couple secret projects that I can't talk about yet. Um, I'm going to be helping a few teams across the world right now uh, about like with their with their new and upcoming projects. Um, but yeah, I think I think basically, if you really want to work with me, all you have to do is be passionate about the game you're making. <laughs> I will probably <laughs> at least have a chat with you about. Um, what it means to work with me. So I'm really, I just really get really enthused about indie games. I think they're super great. So yeah, fantastic. <clears throat> um, shoot, what was I going to say? Sorry. I'm, <laughs> I'm just like, this is so interesting. <laughs> oh no, I, don't say that. I talk forever when I get nervous or like when I'm around people, I think are really cool. I only, my coping mechanism is talking. Aww. So <laughs> <laughs> is there anything in the IRC? Uh, no, the IRC is awfully quiet. Oh, interesting. Sorry. No, that's okay. I just wanted to make sure. I closed everything that was open on my computer, so I had no distractions. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to open Twitter and just double-check it. Whoa. Yeah, I, I mentioned you in a tweet. Oh, yeah. you did? I, I had to quote one of your lines. Yeah, it's true. You do. You cut vegetables at midnight. That's a normal thing. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Um... I was hungry, and we had a weird sleeping schedule. Like, if you ever been in an, in an indie house across the world like anywhere where there's an indie sort of community living together everybody keeps the weirdest hours like in indie house vancouver there were multiple times where like noel and alec and matt didn't see each other for three months because they each had sleeping schedules that conflicted with each other like noel was up from like 3 p.m until whatever yep. you know midnight and then Alec was up from midnight until whenever and then Chevy had normal hours so it's just like nobody saw each other it was super funny um and they all lived together it's just like okay you'd ask them how each other was doing and they were like I have no idea <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah no a similar thing kind of happened uh with my roommates in college we uh our school like classes could start anywhere between 5 a.m and 5 p.m and they were eight hours long so like, one of us could have 5 a.m. classes and the other one have 5 p.m. and polar opposites. So as soon as they get home and they, like, go to sleep and we wake up and then, yeah, exactly the same thing. And it's kind of weird because 
You live together. You should know yeah. what's going on. You should. You should, you should, but you just don't. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> no, that's that's indie, indie dev. Hashtag indie dev. I hate saying hashtag out loud. I can't believe I just did that. That's awful. <laughs> I'm going to get so much shit from my friends now for saying it because I give them shit all the time for saying it. Oh, great. Awesome. I did it. Here we are. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I I think... I think I say usually like one hashtag joke in a broadcast. So you, okay. you just you we just met the quota. Took, we took just my yeah. Now. Yeah. <laughs> um, cool. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't really. I've talked a lot. I feel like I shouldn't talk anymore. No. Uh, Rami put out a tweet recently. Uh, he was asking like, what tips does the press have for uh, developers uh, that want to contact them or whatever. Uh, doing interviews. That's that's mm. specifically what it was. And uh, I tweeted him two things. Uh, the first one was make sure that you're prepared, uh, which is always good. You were super prepared, like you had read or at least skimmed through the articles beforehand. And you were talking about them before the show even started. And I was like, whoa, this has never happened before. And then the other really? one, really? Oh wow! No, yeah, usually the they're kind of like, oh yeah, I'll look at them, or they well, they they never really like bring it up until we start talking um i don't always send it over sometimes we have a really short news list and it's like eh, whatever mm-hmm. um but then the other tip that i sent out was to um never feel like you're talking too much because it's your show like you know. it's yours <laughs> so if you feel that you're talking too much that's good that means you're getting your mind out there we want to hear your mind so <clears throat> the yeah. only thing that i worry about so having been through journalism mm-hmm. i mean we're trained uh on your end we're trained to not to sort of stay quiet as the other person, as your interviewee is speaking, right? Yep. So <clears throat> what I worry about is sometimes I have a relatively short attention span, which means that I might change subjects halfway through, <laughs> and there's no way for someone who, who's interviewing me to sort of steer it back to the original point. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I think I'm getting better at that. Uh, I'm, much, I'm a much better listener than I am <clears throat> speaker in the sense that I often get off track uh, from the original topic, so that's that's all I'm worrying about. Less less that I'm talking too much, which I appreciate you saying. That is a really smart piece of advice for anybody who does interviews. Don't worry if you're talking too much; you're probably talking just just enough. Um, so yeah, no, I appreciate that. That's good. No problem. So uh, these three new games uh, that you're working on PR for. It was Iron Galaxy, right? Yeah, Iron Galaxy is the publisher. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they did Dive Kick. They published Dive Kick as well. Dive you kick. might be familiar with that. And I don't think so I am. they're doing currently. They're going to be releasing Capsule Force, Video Ball, and Gunsport. Um, and those three, I am working with. It's pretty good. It's only been a week, but mm-hmm. it looks really good. Everybody's really. I, I, luckily, I know everyone already. So it was like a scenario where I already knew the developers of these th- three games. Well, Capsule Force I was only acquainted with, but I've known Tim Rogers and Brandon Sheffield for a little while, and so I'm familiar with their projects, and I've helped them out at shows before, and we've been at the same shows before. We've been, like, next to each other at the same shows before, <laughs> so um, I'm really familiar with the way their games work, and so it makes it easier. I, I don't like joining teams. I'm a really big um, advocate of joining teams early if you're PR, or joining teams early if you're a okay. producer. Um being the more involved you can be in the development of something, the more invested you are in that in that mm-hmm. game, and then the easier it is for you to talk about the game to either press or just anyone. Yeah, I guess you can kind of equate it to like uh, moving to a new school halfway through high school. Like you're yeah. kind of the odd person out, and it, it takes a little while to get 
into a you group. Get to integrate, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and like you can't really. I just a lot of people are looking to finish their game and then hire someone for PR. Yeah. But if you're oh, willing man. to have them on and like send them the build early builds and like have them in on the process it really benefits them in the sense that they're they're emotionally and like intellectually invested in the the story of the game and a lot of times with indie games the story is really interesting like how it how it was conceived and then how it came to be are two totally different places and that journey is is fascinating to a lot of people um we every big hit has a great story behind it and so if you are willing to bring someone on early like if you have a game that you think is going to be really good and you start talking to people that you think would be really good to represent the game do it early i mean it just makes sense like uh i was luckily there for a bunch of stuff before towerfall like towerfall shipped on playstation so i was and steam and i was just really invested in the story right so yep and then every other project after that, I've made sure to come on really early if I can. And really, especially if you can get someone who um, <clears throat> can be part of the design process. Like, if you're willing to bring them on and have them test things and give you design feedback. And that's what I mean by design process. I don't mean, like, mm-hmm. an official designer. But, like, yeah. someone who can give you feedback as it goes. They're going to be really, really good about talking about the game Um by the end, it's going to be really, really efficient, and they're going to have the best elevator pitch for it because they've seen it go through the phases. So, I don't know. I I try to encourage teams to do that. It's teams are loath to do it because I and I understand like PR and indie is still this sort of I don't know if I it's not taboo, but it's kind of looked upon with and so production too. Producers and and PR people are sort of looked upon with like people, you know, indies bare their teeth at them and I get it. It's kind of this like, oh, I never, I don't want to sell out or I don't want to be that person that's like forcing my game. I don't want somebody in a suit <clears throat> yeah, exactly, you know, and and it doesn't have to be that way, it's not evil, it, it really can make your game easier to make and it can help you get, I mean, be seen, it can help you with visibility, period. So I'm trying to fix that stigma um, mm-hmm. and I, I know a lot of people have approached me about it who used to have that stigma, like used to be of that opinion and are now sort of shifting. So I'm hoping the community in general is coming together to sort of understand that it doesn't have to be. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I know how bad it can be. Like I totally get it. Um, <clears throat> but I'm hoping that it's, it's not going to be that bad in the future. So, yeah. And the other part is like Indies have this, uh, sense of they can do everything themselves because that's the whole thing about being indie is that you're on your own you can do this so like why can't i just do pr too like i don't need somebody else coming in on my project and messing things up yeah why do i have to rub share with them or you know pay them (laughs) and i get that too it's so scary when you don't know if you're gonna make any money um which is why for like over a year i worked for essentially like a bunch of projects for free because and that's why I had my Patreon for so long is that I wanted to be able to offer that to people who really could not afford someone to do this with them. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's it's something that I think as a community we're shifting away from, like I said. And as we do that, we're gonna gr- we're gonna grow so much. Like we're gonna have we're gonna command so much more respect, and we're going to overall just have better quality games that are getting um, seen a lot more. And and that means like from everywhere from and then like. Before, we were so worried about saturation, right? Like, when making a game became really accessible, so sort of when Unity became a real viable thing, and when everybody realized they could be going indie and making their own thing, um, we were all worried that we wouldn't get seen. Yeah. But with with better production and better PR comes the opportunity for a team to be seen, even if they don't have anything 
behind them. Like, even if they don't have a massive project behind them, like not everybody can be like, Oh, we were triple a, we made Bioshock. Now we're making something else, you know? (laughs) Um, and, and, and like love those teams think that those teams are so valuable. They're, they're on a different, they're a completely different category than a bunch of little indie games mm-hmm. that I see being made every day that are so beautiful and deserve so much, uh, respect. And, and I think that there's a place for both. There's just, there is a place for both. It just requires a lot of thought and all of us to let go of the idea that PR is like evil. Right. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, no, you don't seem very evil. You seem like just, I don't know. I don't think I'm that evil. Nice person. So. Some, the internet might disagree, but I don't think I'm that sure. That's the internet. The internet always is disagreeing with everything. Yeah. <laughs> mm. But yeah. So, uh, you've talked about indies coming along and scooping up PR. What would you say for somebody else that wants to uh, emulate what you do and become a PR guru like yourself? Oh my god, more of same. I want more people doing this. Okay, so... Um... This is such a tough answer. <laughs> I The reason that it's tough is that my method... Uh, is super privileged. So mm-hmm. I had savings and I was able to spend a whole year traveling to every single event I could go to and listening to every single dev I could listen to. And that's what I did. I spent ages traveling and listening and just building up this intuition about the industry and watching where we had come from and where we're going to go and applying a bunch of my knowledge from my first degree and from like my experience as a young business person in my early twenties and just sort of watching trends and like becoming this, this PR person that I think is, uh, I'm right. Like, I don't know, 70, 70% of the time, which is pretty good. That's pretty good for, mm-hmm. for someone. And I think, I think that that method doesn't work for everyone because it's so hard to do. And I'm, again, so, so privileged that I had the opportunity. Um, but the thing I can recommend is listening. That That's really the key. Like, traveling to events was really, really good. But listening and reading and talking to different developers and hearing their entire story and then applying that to what you what in the future could be happening – uh, it's so important. So if you can go to talks, like if you can go to events, go to events and then spend that time sort of building your intuition. And then really the other thing is just, it's just getting to know people, like build real connections. Like don't worry about meeting absolutely everybody sort of meet a person, meet another person, <clears throat> try to go to a thing, packs even, or just tons of packs. There's packs everywhere now. Yeah, um, like oh, for Europe. I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say that there aren't packs in Europe. Oh, no. So sorry. I, I, yeah. I'm very North America centric and I'm trying to fix that. Um, it's total <laughs> bullshit. No, it's total bullshit. It's awful. But, you know, there's there's lots of things that we can get to or at least see talks from. And and Twitter is a really great way to build connections with people slowly over time. Mm-hmm. And then when you meet them, you have something to talk about. Like, that's just a real thing. Like, it doesn't sound like a real thing, but it is. So getting into PR is all about having having an opinion that can apply to the future. So you've built intuition about the industry you can now have an opinion it applies to the future you can implement it in a way that benefits a game and while that all sounds very clinical it actually translates to some really great talks really great discussions with people fantastic discourse and and that's really what the indie game community is is a lot it's about in terms of community it it's about learning from each other and and having these discussions so so interact right like do mm-hmm. that and that's the very basic that's like the first thing the second thing is to uh, try and take on projects that you know you have something in common with at all, whether it's with the developer or with the project itself, such that you can 
represent it properly and talk about it in a way that benefits both the developer and the project. Cause those two things are different too. Like what's best for the project and what's best for the developer might not always line up, but in the long run they're going to meet and having that foresight is super, super important. Um, I'm sort of speaking vaguely. I'm trying not to like give conc- too many concrete examples mm-hmm. <laughs> because yeah. I don't want to call like projects out and that kind of thing. Everybody I've worked with is so wonderful. Um, so I just want to keep it to that, but yeah. So I think, I think becoming, I don't, I would never call myself a PR guru, but I think that I've built up this intuition and the only way I've done that is through time, like super amounts of listening and understanding. Um, and yeah, there's so much of that out there. Like really start by, you know, following the people that talk about PR the most. You, you see people talking about it all the time. Like even Rami talks about it constantly. Um, and Mike Bissell talks about it constantly. Although you only have to follow one of those because they're basically the same person when it comes to this kind of thing. Um, don't tell them I said that. Actually, I think they might be okay if I said that. But yeah, I think, I think it's, it's, there's, it's a long road. It definitely is a long road to get to, to the PR point. Connections with press is super important. Being able to speak to press, having some pre-existing, you know, uh, communication with them. So you have, they know you because you were at this event and you were both, um, watching this game together. Like you're like, oh yeah, no, I remember you. You were with this game. So that'll come naturally. That'll come eventually when you're representing a game and you're reaching out to press. After a period of time, they'll know about you. They'll understand that you represent quality and that they'll come to you for that kind of thing, right? You're almost, you're, you walk the line, I hate using the word curator. You're not a curator. You are definitely someone that represents quality, um, which those two things can get confused very easily, and they're not the same. Um, but but as long as you choose programs and projects that you believe in, you're, you're going to eventually make a name for yourself according to that. So, yeah. All right. Wow. Sorry. <laughs> that, I, again, no. went on I'm just on. like, yeah. wow. <laughs> That's it. It's really good information, and I'm, like, trying to suck it up like a sponge. It's, it's good. <laughs> well, luckily, um, this is live and then also recorded so we can listen to it later, I guess, or something. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that completely cuts out one of my questions. Um, I was going to ask, like, how how somebody gets, uh, I guess, uh, work, because uh, I do freelance web design and mm-hmm. stuff, and... I'm always going out and trying to find work. Like it's it's uh, it's challenging. But um, with you going to conventions, you know, you had games in your face all the time. So I guess uh, I still could ask you, but it you might not be able to answer that well. What would you say for somebody that can't go to events? How do how do they find these games and games that have either money or need? Well, I mean, every game needs PR, but like that that they have a need for it and they're looking for it. How do you how do you get beyond the the sea of games and find the games that you're looking for, so to say. Yeah. Um, so good news <clears throat> and bad news. Um, <laughs> bad news is the best way to do it is to go to events. The good news simultaneously combined with bad news, I suppose, is that there are lots of other people who can't afford to go to events. So there are tons of developers that also cannot go to those events and they, all of us sort of have a presence somewhere. Um, and, you know, I mean, that could be Twitter or it could be, um, you know, different forums depending on which which kind of game you're making. Um, but there's no harm in getting on Twitter, following a fuckload of developers and listening 
and then interacting slowly. That's actually like basically how I got into this industry is that I was like very patient and looked for people who were talking about the same things that I think I I was in line with and then interacted with them and had that conversation. Mm-hmm. It is it is again a very North American centric world. Um indie dev is and that's super frustrating. There are so many amazing developers in places like Brazil mm-hmm. and South oh, Africa. Man. And I mean, South America in general and, you know, South Africa and Europe in general that don't have the opportunity. It costs them six times the amount to come out than it would any of us to go to a GDC or, you know, PAX or anything like that. And that's so tragic. It's like really something that we need to work on um, in general. Uh, but again, the good news is there's so many people that, that feel that way that there must be a way for us all to connect and, and really these online communities are the way. Um, and, you know, Steam opening up their green light process and making it such that lots and lots of games are on Steam is both a blessing and a curse in the sense that now you can sort of sift through a bajillion games on green light and look for the ones that you think you have an interest in and then truly, genuinely strike up conversation with them. Like, there is a way to contact them and say, like, hey, I love your game. I think it's so cool. Um, have you thought about X, Y, and Z? Like, have you thought about these things? Oftentimes, because we're all so insular, like a lot of us are just in our homes making these games, not going out to things. It's actually really refreshing to get that kind of email where you're like, oh, someone's interested in my game. I, <laughs> I will absolutely have conversation with this person. And so don't be afraid, right? Like, reach out to a ton of people. And if you reach out to 100 people and only 10 respond, that's still 10 solid people that you're able to build a genuine genuine connection with. Like, you you have to embrace those moments where you actually do make a connection. Um, and again, it's a slow process, but it's definitely one that's worth it if you can do it. Um, and, you know, jobs is so hard because I talk about this as though I'm in this bubble of utopia where I'm like, oh, no problem. We can all afford the time and, and like, money and energy to do <laughs> yep. this thing that I'm saying. And that's not the real case, mm-hmm. you know. Um, a lot of us need to actually have a full-time job, if not two, you know, two jobs to make ends meet while we're also doing this. And it is a labor of love, and it's brutal. It really is brutal. Um, but I can say it gets better if you're – if you're able to put in a little bit of time and effort, it does get better and you can sort of make those connections and feel really good about those connections. So, uh, persistence, I guess at the end of the day, (laughs) it's awful to say. I, yeah. So, but yeah, I think it's persistence truly. Yeah. How do you keep yourself motivated? Cause you have so much going on. Like what, do you have any rituals or anything? Um, yeah, I think I did. I'm currently in flux. I um, recently found out I need to move from Vancouver and go full nomad for a little while, um, which is, like, strange. You don't realize you have virtual until you no longer are able to have it anymore. And uh, I think I think before it was a, a scenario in which I was able to uh, sort of have a home base and work for home and travel to different events. And it was always that next milestone of – okay, I'd set in my calendar when the next event was, which, by the way, I've been at an event every three weeks since January of 2014, I think. I think that's what it is. I did the math. I think it's an event every three weeks. So it's more than one a month since then, and it's, well, that's, that's not, I mean, you could talk to Rami if you want to talk about oh, an event every, like, ten days or so. But for me, that was a lot, and so it ended up being um, – very difficult for me. I had to sort of set ritual at events. I had to understand that at an event, 
on the middle day of the event, I needed to take time out and spend time with friends that I knew would re-energize me, right? Because Mm -hmm. staying motivated is all about keeping your mental health in check and understanding yourself really well so that you can take care of yourself. Because a lot of people see like going to events as just like one long party. And that's true if you go to two events a year. But it's 100% not if you go to one event every three weeks. It, It becomes this grueling... Um, really, really difficult thing to keep up with. You just don't have the same energy as you thought you did uh, about 12 months in. <laughs> so, <laughs> so for me, ritual includes that quiet time, that moment where I can take a breath by myself, that full night's sleep, the luxury of a full night's sleep where I do skip the party, you know? Like, I do skip the massive event that everybody's going to, and I sort of take time to myself and sit in a dark room and, like, think about the next day and plan it out really carefully and check a bunch of stuff off a checklist even, right? Mm -hmm. I'm a very, um, I'm a very detail oriented person. So I enjoy checking those things off. Um, so really it comes down to eating well, sleeping well every now and then, neither of those things you will do every day, (laughs) but eating well, sleeping well and having good friends around, um, who you can sort of relax around and th- those things are so precious. Like you just don't realize how precious they are until you don't have them anymore. So, very, very precious. Mm-hmm. You're planning ahead thing. I've heard uh, from quite a few successful people, and I've I've been trying to do it myself. It doesn't work out very well for me. Um, but you know, like just planning planning your days ahead. Uh, I always make like a list of the times that I'm going to do everything, and I only end up like going through half the list. <laughs> so so it's funny. Um, I used to go, when, when I was in high school, I remember taking a bunch of courses on, like, uh, organization and being, like, a generally successful person, and they were all like, make a list and then celebrate it 90%, and so when you do 90% on the list and you get 90% done, you get, throw yourself a party. Like, you don't have to do 100%. Don't be a perfectionist to this point. Like, you know, don't beat yourself up. I think... I think it's celebrate at 50%. Like, <laughs> I think... So for me... I'm so ambitious and so driven sometimes that I will write a list that is so out of scope. And I didn't even touch on the word. I, didn't even, I haven't even said the word scope until now. That is the one of the most important words in indie de- development, period. Scope mm-hmm. is so important. And it applies to everybody. So the way it applies to me is such that I will make a list that's so far out of scope of what I should get done tomorrow that I need to understand now that if I go through half that list and I check off a quarter or a third of what I've actually gone through, I've done so well. I really have done so well and I try to relay that to my developers as well like I Robin especially with sound self it's such a huge amazing progress like um sorry um project that when you do check off a few things you need to feel really good about it you've got to reward yourself um and that's huge that's huge like I know it might not you might feel like it's not working for you Brett like you might feel like you make a list for tomorrow (laughs) and you don't get through it but honestly having made the list is the success. Like, even having written that down, even having made it is a huge step forward. Like, that's a massive thing. So, um, not to be all motivating about it, but that's like, I always encourage that. Well, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's sort of, oh, my life is so busy. I'm realizing (laughs) you're making me analyze it and realize how much I'm doing. So sorry. It's okay, it's good, it's good. It's good for me to, like, think about and figure out, so, Mm -hmm. yeah. All right, we're an hour in. Uh, If anybody wants to ask Felix questions, jump in the IRC. It's kind of bizarrely empty today. It's been so active the last couple of weeks, I don't know what's going on. But, yeah. 
long weekend, but hmm? you know, it's, I said it's not a long weekend. I was like, maybe it's a long weekend. That's next weekend, right? Yeah. It's hmm. so. I don't know. Maybe there's something going on. But yeah, come in, ask questions. Who's uh, playing Bloodborne and Pillars, which is secretly what I'm going to do after we're done. <laughs> You know what? Everybody is playing Bloodborne. No, right. actually. And Pillars of Eternity. Like, I bought both, and I'm like, all I'm doing is thinking about how I should be playing them. <laughs> but instead, what I'm going to do is hop on Destiny to see where Zura is to see if I need armor. Like, that's so stupid. I don't understand why I keep playing this game. Like, I actually have a problem. Like, I have a problem. I don't understand why anybody plays the game. No, it's not a very good game. Don't tell Rami I ever said that. But <laughs> it's not a very good game. It's It's just an MMO. It's like a standard MMO where you have to collect 60,000 of this one thing from this one goddamn enemy in this one area and so you spend 12 hours doing it and at the end you get like nothing you get nothing you get like you know uh, six strange coins which go towards you maybe future buying a thing anyway it's awful it's a bad game I love it so much I can't stop playing (laughs) (sighs) so but in terms of AAA games, it's probably the only game, only AAA game I've played in a long time. I mean, unless you catch, like, count, like, Smash or something. If that's, if Nintendo counts as, like, they're their own weird little category of AAA. Yeah, I've always looked at them differently ever since I was little, before I even understood yeah. any of this. I was just like, Nintendo's different. They're kind of cool. Right? Isn't that <laughs> weird that we all have? I mean, I, yeah, I same with, I bought, like, Captain Toad, like, eight months ago now, and I haven't played it fully, and I want to sit down and play that maybe today, and, like, I could be playing Bloodborne, but maybe I'll just play Captain Toad. They're kind of the same game. They're hard. <laughs> I guess. You know what? I just got a tweet saying if the IRC is supposed to be loading beneath the audio stream, it's not working for me, and uh, it totally is. Um, hmm. So, maybe that's what's happening. Yeah, maybe maybe that's what's happening. Um, so if if you're having problems connecting to the IRC, uh, the you can either try reloading it or I, I guess duplicate the tab so you don't cut out the audio. Um, and uh, the alternative would be to just get an IRC client if you have one and uh, connect through there. It is irc.afternet.org, and the channel is Indie Function I N D I E Function. Uh, so. Yeah, hopefully uh, that gets fixed. But yeah, uh, uh, it's Taylor, so uh, definitely keep me in loops with that. <clears throat> uh, thanks. All right. So, where, what were we talking about again? We were talking. Oh um, yeah, Nintendo, Nintendo. We were talking about. Nintendo. Yeah, Nintendo. So it's so weird to me. Um, stop me if I go too long, but uh, it's so weird to me that I we have the same thing, and a lot of people do have the same thing. Where it's like Nintendo are sort of the indie of AAA to me. Where I'm like, I give them so much leeway, like just an immense amount of leeway. Where I'm like, oh, but that's cute, you know? Like they did this thing, and it's like, okay, I don't have the same. Um, like if they make a mistake for me, especially like if they if they have a game that just doesn't have the representation I want it to have for some stupid reason, <laughs> I'm like yeah, but it's Nintendo, which is like backward. It's so it's so messed up. Um, whereas with you know anything on PlayStation or anything published by a AAA company uh, apart from Nintendo, I will just lay into them. I'll be like, this was unacceptable, you know. Um, which is so weird. It's so weird. And and it works both ways. It's like, oh, I also automatically give them more praise. Like, I'm also immediately the person to be like, oh, this was a, the most adorable thing ever. And, like, 
I've never played, um, uh, what's the really cute uh, PlayStation game uh, that everybody loves? Little Big Planet? Yeah, Little Big Planet. Okay. I've never played it. I've never even touched it. What? Whereas I've never even I've never even had the opportunity. Okay, I've just not go, go to Target. The to go to Target. Just go to Target and like play it. They they have it on every right? single console in the world. Right. Okay. So I haven't. <laughs> whereas like people are like, you love Nintendo stuff. Just play little. Like, what's your problem? Like, Little Big Planet's your thing. And I'm like, oh, I just haven't even looked at it because, in my opinion, it's not Nintendo. Hmm. So like, stupid, stupid, so stupid. But I really do. I separate them by this huge rift. Um, I don't, I don't know what's up with that. I don't understand. So. Uh, Taylor did get in the IRC, but, um, the web client isn't working. So I'm so sorry about that, everybody. Um. Oh no, that explains everything. That's okay. I mean, the web client's working for me, but I have had it up for hours. So. If anybody has any questions, I am happy to field them on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, tweet at Lego butts or, uh, at Indie Function. Uh, whichever you want, and we can get some questions going. Yeah. So. And after the fact, too. Like, we don't have to do it right now, if that's the case. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You're probably always open for questions, right? Yeah, always. <laughs> like, actually always. It's always free. I would tell every developer and, and gamer this and everybody this, it's always free to talk to me. Like, I, that's uh, people worry. They're like, oh, no, I don't want to take up your time. No, no, no. Just email me. I will always try to get back to you. I'll be as, as responsive as I possibly can. It is uh, nerve-wracking, though, like, contacting somebody that you don't know, because, like, yeah, you're like, absolutely. oh, I'm going to annoy them, I'm just some dumb person, eh. No, no, totally, that's how everybody, that's how we all started, it's no big deal, it's something that we all encourage. Rami and I are on the same page with this, when it comes to this, contact us anyway, we try to make ourselves as available as possible um, for questions and answers and, like, getting back to you. We are inundated with them, so sometimes it takes a little while, but we will do our very best to get back to you as soon as possible. So, I, yeah, it's it's totally okay to, con- to reach out and contact me. Um, but, yeah, I, I, you know, unless I'm playing Ollie Ollie, I probably will not respond to you if I'm playing Ollie Ollie too. <laughs> That's the only scenario in which I'm not available. I still need to download that. You need to go download that. You need to, you have a PS you you feel oh you don't have a PS4. I've PS, got a Vita. It's free on PS Plus. I've got a Vita. Oh, you have a Vita. Oh good, excellent. So I need to buy. Okay, tell me right now. Do I need to buy a Vita? Uh yes, you you kind of do. Uh, if you can <laughs> get one like used, so you don't feel that you're paying as much. I got one. Okay, so a guy he he had used it oh. about five times, and he was planning and using it a lot, and he never used it, so he sold it to me for like. 150 when it was Maybe still Craigslist has something. Wait. Yeah, Craigslist. Craigslist. We're going to look right now. Craigslist Vancouver. <laughs> Honestly, it's so... I, I want one so bad, if only because... Okay, so when Spelunky came on Vita, I was like, ruh oh, we're in trouble. Uh, and then I was like, no, I'm going to avoid it. It's going to be fine. And then I was like, wait, well, what if I want... Uh, what was the next thing it came out in? And I was like, oh, oh, don't starve, don't starve comes out on Vita. And I was like... Oh, no. I didn't know that. Oh, don't don't tell me so that. Don't important to me. And then um, Towerfall was like, we're going to come out on Vita. And I was like, fuck, this, duh, everything sucks. Wait, what? And then, yeah, oh. just don't. It's fine. Everything's fine. And then uh, later, um, I probably, I don't even know if I should have said I'm, I'm not on their embargo. Nobody told me to not say that. So it's fine. I said it. Uh, and then, I don't actually know if it's still happening, but we mentioned it. And then um, uh Axiom Verge was like, I'm coming in on Vita. And then Hyperlight Drifter was like, we're coming on Vita. And I was like, you know what? 
I'm only going to play my Vita. Like, I'm not going to play anything else. Like, I know me. And I don't have a PS4 anymore. After I move from Vancouver, I'm not going to have a PS4 or a Wii U or any, any console. So it just makes sense to buy a Vita so that I can play a bunch of these games. Mm-hmm. So can you do what's, – what's the deal with this, like, syncing to your PlayStation thing? Like, can I play Destiny on my Vita is what I'm about to ask. Okay, so there's there's a couple different things, and it's game-dependent, basically. Um, there are games that allow multiplayer, so you can use it as a second controller, which is super uh, nice, because then you also have another screen. Amazing, um, yes. Uh, there's also cross-save, so, like, if you're playing uh, Rogue Legacy or Final Fantasy X, and you're like, oh man, I gotta go, I gotta go somewhere, and you need to go t- take the bus... You sync it up to the servers, grab your Vita, sync it back down, and then you go on the bus and you continue playing or whatever. You, you usually have to own the game on both platforms, which is why a lot of games on PlayStation are uh, cross-buy. And then there's a third one where, in terms of that, there are certain games that you can stream to your Vita using something. I, I don't know if you have to have PlayStation TV. I don't think you do. Um, I don't think you need PlayStation TV, but because I remember Rami saying he was like at, at one point I specifically remember Rami saying that he was syncing to his PS4 playing Destiny on his Vita, and I was like, "Wait, this is heaven! Stop mm-hmm. talking!" I'm pretty what? sure that happened. Yeah. Okay. Because okay. I remember seeing an article about the controls on Vita and how they were really good. Like if you tap on the left side of the screen, it's like L2, and if you tap on the right side, it's R2 or something like that. Oh. Or if you swipe what? on the screen, I don't know. It, it was just like somebody was raving about it. I think it was either Kotaku. It, yeah, it was Kotaku. They were like foaming at the mouth. The controls are so good on Vita. Huh. But there okay. there well, are some might, issues I've heard, so definitely read into it cuz it might not be the ideal experience, but it still could be pretty awesome. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. They also had something like that on PSP, and I think I did that once and Yeah, PSP was a pipe dream. It was so oh good for such a short period of time. Um, at the end of its life, and then they brought out the Vita instead, so... Which didn't get any press or, like, coverage or boost from Sony whatsoever, so Mm. I don't think it did as well, maybe, as it should have, but it's, uh, it seems like my dream handheld. Like, I have a 3DS right now, and basically all I play on it is Layton, Phoenix Wright, and Phoenix Wright (laughs) (laughs) cross-Layton. Which I lost in San Francisco, which was so sad. But, um... Yeah, so it's my, like, puzzle machine. But other than that, I want a Vita for, like, all my really hard games. Like, stuff that makes me want to die. Yeah. Oh, I was just grabbing my charger quick. My Vita's dead, and I wanted to see what games I have it on it. Because you said Spelunky, and then... That's so good. Oh, man. Yeah, I Spelunky think... is still, to this day, like, <laughs> one of the best games I've played. And I don't understand how I just keep going back to it. And my favorite part about Spelunky is that I showed... So... Tiny backstory on me is that I have a sister who's much younger than I am, who I raised when she was a baby, and I was a teen, and then, like, we spent a bunch of time apart, and now she's 18, and I'm, like, 30, in my 30s, and uh, she came to live with me, and I was like, I wonder if she knows about indie games, which she didn't, right? She didn't. She only knew about, like, Final Fantasy X and Forza and maybe Halo. So I introduced her to a bunch of indie games, and I was like, I wonder if she'll like roguelikes. I wonder if an 18-year-old would like roguelikes, right? And I introduced her to uh, Spelunky, and she just became 100, like, immediately obsessed. Just 100% obsessed. It just sort of verified that Spelunky's just objectively a good game. <laughs> <laughs> like, these these games that I play obsessively are just objectively good games, because if, like, an 18-year-old who's never played real, like, like, never really played these games before likes it, 
it's got to be good, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's how that works, right? Yep, that's exactly yeah. how it works. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what else do I have on my Vita? I, it's charging. It's like completely dead. I haven't. Oh, Ali Ali was I, my. I didn't know about Ali. I mean, I knew about it, but I didn't know how good it was until GDC, until February of this year, before GDC. And my buddy Max uh, handed me his Vita and was just like, "Start up Ali Ali," and that was it. Sully said. <laughs> and I just started it, and I was like, "This is the best game I've ever played." And he was like, "I know." And then I just spent like five hours sitting down and playing it, like on his Vita. Um, and it's it basically sold me a Vita. I was like, "Oh, I need to go home and buy one now." So mm-hmm. the only thing that I can really rip on the Vita for is Sony is notorious for using stupid memory methods for their handhelds. Like, oh, so it is so expensive to buy a memory card. I have a four gig, right. and every time I get a new game, I have to delete something, and it breaks my heart. So there, I've been told to buy the original. So there's a difference between the original Vita and the new Vita, yep. and there's a proprietary card in one of them, but not the other. I'm not sure about that. I think I have the old one, but I've never heard. I know the screens are different. The, screens are different. The okay, maybe that's it way then. Better. So. There's a proprietary card in that. So Sony let go of proprietary, like, memory card in almost everything except for the Vita then. Because their cameras used to have that proprietary bullshit, and their whatever, like, a bunch of different things used to have it, their phones and stuff. But I think they've moved on to mini SD now, or micro SD, and the um, PlayStation is all micro USB, like, charging and stuff. But does the Vita have a proprietary charging as well, or is it... Is it standard? What exactly does proprietary mean? <laughs> well, proprietary just means that only Sony sells it. Oh, oh, yeah. No, the memory cards are Sony only for the most part, from what I understand. Right, so that's proprietary. Yeah. And then are, is the charging? I think so. But that's if you. Such bullshit. If like, you, Sony, let go. Like, just go standard. What are you doing? Yeah, the, it's a really weird charger. I like the look of the charger. It, it's very nice. It plugs in on the bottom instead of. Like, it's it's like a strip, and it connects in the center. Oh, yeah. Like, no, the, the PSP connected on the side, and it would always get in the way of your hand. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. But, no, uh, yeah, the memory card, I I have a 4 gig, and I want to buy a new one, but, like, an 8 gig is, like, 30 or 40 bucks, and I'm like, oh, my God. No, that's... How am I ever going to afford, like, a 32 or a 64 so I can actually hold all my games? Well, and in a, in a day and age where, like flash memory costs nothing. Yeah, like exactly. Like, it's $8 to buy, like, a 64 gig, or I think it's even less, like, whatever, to buy, like, a 64 gig flash card, right? Like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, not okay. Not okay. So, ugh. Yeah, anyway. I have a flash drive that's bigger than the hard drive of my first computer, like... Yeah. <laughs> get with the time <laughs> yeah. stone. Oh, no! My first, my first, my first computer, like, the first computer I ever truly purchased fully by myself had a 13 gig hard drive that sounded like a chainsaw (laughs) and that was big like I went all out so yeah (laughs) yeah that that wouldn't even cover most of the download sizes of uh, a lot of the AAA games now no no I just yeah not at all not even slightest so oh my god yeah I'm feeling old I'm gonna stop talking now (laughs) okay everybody's just born at a different time it's you can't control it that's true i'm actually not that bad about my age people assume that i'm in my early 20s so i get that a lot we're shocked yeah everybody assumes that i'm very young um which works for me it's just also <clears throat> i mean the reason that i have experience in life is that i've lived <laughs> longer than people think i have 
like 10 years longer than people think I have. So, you know, I mean, I don't know. It works out. It's fine. I get carded everywhere I go. That's nice. <laughs> I think in my 30s. So Yeah. My, my mom has a friend that I always think is her age. My, my mom's about 40. Um, and her friend's like having her 50th birthday. And I'm like, how? How are you? Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Wait, how old are you? Uh, I'm 19. Yeah, you're 19. Okay, that's what I thought. Okay. That's <laughs> yeah. good. That's excellent. We're, you know, many years apart. That's totally fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we... I we... love seeing... Um, it just wasn't an option for me when I was 19 to be in the scene, and the fact that it is for you is so cool. Like, that's, like, that's the dream, mm-hmm. it was that younger and younger people can feel welcomed into the community and can feel like they're empowered to actually make things, and that's just the coolest shit. Yeah, big shout-out to both Game Maker slash Radio yeah. Games and uh, Game Jolt. Like, yeah. oh my goodness, Absolutely. I've met some of the people that I run Indie Function with from Game Jolt, and we're still friends, like, four years later, and, like, awesome. we're gonna move in together and maybe yeah, and start what's an a- indie house. <laughs> that's super cool. What's, what's amazing about that, too, is that, like, Game Maker was around when I was first starting to make games, mm-hmm. and that's what I started with. And how far it's come is mind blowing. Like you look at it now, and you're like, "Oh, it's so like Hyperlight Drifter is being made in Game Maker, yeah? Right? You're just like, what? Like I, <laughs> I look back at the day when I used to make games and make it Game Maker, and I'm like, okay, this this is so amazing. And like the stuff that people have done for it, like um, sort of the pressure that they've had to be able to provide support for different consoles and different platforms and that kind of thing is so amazing. And mm-hmm. the fact that they've like responded to it so well, the community is amazing. So um, I'm really impressed with their, where Game Maker has come in the past, I'd say last three years has been a really big leap. So good for them. Yeah, no, it's, I, what did they just, was it Playtech that they just sold out to? Uh, yeah, sold, sold out. out. That's probably not, the right term, but yeah, <laughs> they partnered with someone. Yes, um, yeah. which is really yeah. weird too because it's a it's a gambling company, and like that's one of the rules of Game Maker: you cannot make casino slash gambling games. So they own them. I, so it's YoYo Games was purchased by Playtech. I think is how I think that's what it was. It was yes. acquired. Mm-hmm. Regardless. Acquired. Yes, that, acquired, there's the word yes. that I've been looking for. It's the word that we all use. Um... But yeah, it's interesting. I guess, like, you know, at the end of the day, if it provides Yo-Yo with more support to do the things they need to do, I'm down with it. Mm -hmm. As long as Playtech is okay with the fact that, like, you know, Yo-Yo has a certain philosophy. So, we'll see. Yeah, no, everybody's freaking out. And, uh, like, I I I checked in on the... I don't freak out over like, acquisition. It doesn't freak me out. Yeah, I was on the Game Maker uh, community forums because we usually post our stuff there. That's where like the show started was there. So I've just kind of stayed there over the years, even though I'm not very active on the forums. But like they they were posting about how how angry they were about the, and then a bunch of people reminded them that this is the same exact reaction that they had when Yo Yo Games bought it from Mark Overmars. Yep, yep. And Precisely. we're really happy with it. So maybe this will just be another good thing. Yeah. They might just have the money to be able to support it. Who knows? So, yeah. As opposed to, like, have wanting control over something. Like, yeah. Don't assume people are evil or uh, companies are evil until they prove themselves evil. So. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So Dom wants us to change the topic. Can we talk oh. about Slack? 
and how it's the best thing ever. It's the best thing ever. <laughs> so Slack is the best thing ever. If you are making a game, if you are not making a game, if you would like to experience community, download Slack and then use it to manage your community. It is the best. It's basically what I wanted IRC to be back in the day. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's IRC with a better, with the best of UI you've ever seen, and then on top of it, custom emoji. Done. Did it. Custom That's emojis. It. You can upload files. You can upload yeah. text snippets, so if you don't want to send, can... like, a wall of text, you can send a little text snippet, and they can expand it. You can in- embed images. Oh my god, there's previews that pop up. Yeah, you can in- integrate with almost every other service you use normally. So, uh-huh. like, Google Docs. You can integrate with Google Docs, and you can integrate with, like, it per- like I say, pretty much every other service you use. You just integrate with it, and Slack will be like, I can present this to you in a way that is readable for everyone, and you can invite people into this particular room. And then for your team, if you have, like, artists, you have a specific room for the artists, and then you everybody uploads all the things they need to upload to the room, and everybody can see them. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to include a bunch of other people, like... It's just so organized. It's it's for the, the detail-oriented person. It's fucking porn. It's so good. Um, yeah, no, I love Slack. And I love the guys that made Slack. They made, like, one of my favorite games ever and went on to use their internal uh, tool, at Slack, that is, and made it public. And that's so cool. So mm-hmm. I finally just uh, switched over from using it in a tab to downloading the official Windows program. Dude, yeah, so, like, yeah, so big good. upgrade. Yeah. Oh. Uh, but yeah, no, it's it's absolutely brilliant. Uh, oh, Tom. Yes, we can always talk about Slack forever. <laughs> I recently... Uh, um, it's funny, so... The guys that make uh, Slack made, were tiny spec. Before that, they were Flickr. And um, I... While they were tiny spec, I played their game called Glitch, which was this little MMO uh, made in... I think it was Flash. I'm almost certain it was Flash. Um, which was before its time in the sense that it was made in Flash, which is just so tragic. Um, but it was like this, the probably the most charismatic, loveliest game I've ever played in my life uh, in terms of MMOs. And uh, it's so well written and the art was so good that recently I went in and like screen capped each one of their like little cool little like things that happened in the game, all the images that were in the game and made them into emoji in my Slack because it's like nostalgia. Like it's one game to another. Like I guess Slack is not a game, but it's yeah. And they, Mm -hmm. they've like brought over a bunch of sound effects and stuff. So anybody that played glitch has extreme nostalgia every time they use Slack, which is just so cute. So cute. (laughs) Yeah. So Dom also asks, how many Slacks are you in? Can you even count? I'm actually only in, uh, well, okay. I only have in my Slack app four. So usually <laughs> I'm in more, but I'm only active in four of them right now. Um, uh, and that's nice. The four is a good number. Uh, you get up to like seven or eight and it becomes unmanageable. So, but the Slack app again makes it super manageable, which is really nice. Um, I don't really know what happens if you're in over 10 because I'm looking at my keyboard and realizing that I can only command tab to 10 of them or maybe mm. nine of them. It's never occurred to me to see what happens if you just <laughs> you just overload Slack. But um, no, yeah, I love I love being in multiple rooms. It's it, the Slack app makes it easy. I'm now just an ad for Slack. Go buy Slack and buy mm-hmm. buy. I'm yeah, it's free, free too. Like you don't have to super purchase free. it. No, it's super free. So I don't know how they do it. I have no idea how they're doing it. Mm-hmm. It. I guess it's like 
people just want to throw their money at it. They're like, I enjoy this so much. Thank you for making it free. I'm just going to give you money. Just take it all. And I know you can upgrade um, your Slack to become, you know, paid and have, like, archives of every single thing that was ever said in it and that kind of thing. Um, I don't need to do that for mine. Most of them are pretty happy being the free version. Um, but, yeah, so. Yep. Yeah, no, I, I'm in a Slack uh, and it's, we just use a free one, and it's, <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's funny that Dom brought it up. Oh. Yeah, and Dom, Dom is in Dominic from last, yep, last yeah. broadcast. <laughs> Dom is the best, Dom is super cool. Dom's everywhere. Uh, Dom is, Dom is everywhere. Uh, Dom and I started talking before Dom was everywhere, and, uh, I was so, I'm the most happy to see him everywhere, because he's one of the coolest people. Uh, I've ever met in my entire life. So I think, I think meeting people basically, uh, yes, I can, by the way, um, meeting people basically is on the, on the internet. So you meet someone on the internet and you're like, Oh, you, whatever, we follow each other on Twitter and it's great. And then you end up maybe if you're lucky, you're like, Oh, let's have like a video chat or something. And then you realize that you're both just two humans and the, the thing about the internet is that it's so incredibly, like, easy to forget that you're both just two humans on either side of a screen <laughs> talking at each other. And indie dev is this thing where everybody, like, for example, I know multiple teams that have worked together for years and then not met each other until after they shipped the game. Like, I don't, I don't actually know if Stanley Parable ever talks about this, but they didn't meet each other until post ship of Stanley Parable. And that's how I feel about so many friends that I have on the internet. You know, like it's this thing where indie dev is so tightly knit and so lovely that we're able to connect over Twitter or over like Google hangout or Skype, I guess in the scenario where we can actually build a real connection. And then I don't know, feel as though when we meet each other, it's like the second time or the third time and not have that awkward barrier because not to be, like, super stereotypical, but so many of us are that awkward introvert. Mm-hmm. You know, like, we just are, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, I, I like, Ian, the guy that I do the radio with, usually, I've never met him in real life. We've known each other for four years. We've collaborated on websites and games. Yeah, and so cool. I think that's so cool. The future is so cool. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Um... Oh my god, are we at, like, 90 minutes or something? Oh, it's it's not a 90-minute cap. It's That's where they typically go. If, if okay. you want to wrap it up, we can, but... Well, eventually I need to go because I have other things to do today. Alas. Yep. Alas, I have other things to do. Alas. Alas. I know. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, we'll, we'll wrap it up in a few minutes. Um, so, yeah, if anybody else has any questions, throw it uh, into the IRC. Uh, the Dark One says, Felix was into Dom before they were cool. Yeah, uh, I totally was because Dom <laughs> is the cool. Like Dom is the coolest. Dom is now working on my favorite projects ever. So I will always be that person that's like, I knew Dom before they were cool. <laughs> Damn it! So yeah, that's me. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> I I knew Rami kind of before he was cool. 
I think Rami's always been super cool. It's just that we didn't all know about him. Okay, <laughs> yes. my friend, my buddy sent me. Okay, so the artist for Towerfall Amora sent me, the concept artist sent me a picture the other day where she found an old photo of she and her significant other in in the Netherlands, in Utrecht, um, with Rami and uh, JW in like 2011. What? Rami looks like a baby. Yeah, JW looks exactly the same like jw has not aged in years he looks precisely the same his hair Rocky doesn't even grow. Hand doesn't have a beard so he looks like a tiny baby face yeah he's a little tiny baby face oh my god a secret baby face under all that beard don't let him fool you he's a tiny baby so yeah no jw i don't think his hair even grows he's probably never had no. a haircut in his life He's exactly the same person. That's it. It's just it's always been like he came out of the womb like that. He just looks like that. It's over. He doesn't so, have to yeah. shower or like anything. Nope. He just brushes nope. his teeth and exactly. He's done. Yeah. No, he's a perfect <laughs> human being. It's good. <laughs> uh, wow, that's crazy. Yeah. Rami, no. on the other hand, Rami, on the other hand, don't tell. Don't let him tell you he's a perfect human being. I will. I will fight him. <laughs> if of all the devs that I have ever had to put out fires for. Rami is simultaneously my favorite and the worst. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Uh, Yeah, I think we first had them on. Well, I know it was broadcast number seventeen. I freakishly know roughly where everybody we've had is. Um, I think it was in January two thousand twelve. So, Amora beat me. Yeah, no, twenty eleven, man. I don't even. They're super crate box. Yep. Those are the days. Yep, that was on Game Jolt, and uh, I think Ian was like, hey, I got those guys that made the Super Crate Box game, and I was like, oh, that's kind of cool, I don't know anything about them, so yeah, bring them on. <laughs> and how far we've come, and here we are today. <laughs> and then I look back and I'm like, holy crap, we interviewed them? <laughs> uh, it was, yeah, it's so different. Yeah, oh man, I, I recently re-listened to it, and we asked some of the dumbest questions. I love it. Did you? You were, it was early in your podcasting career. It's okay. Don't worry oh, about it. No, like, kind of funny, dumb questions. Like, some of them were, like, meant to be stupid in a funny way. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. I, I was recently turning 16, so. Uh, dude, you at 19 time. are f- far beyond what I was at 19, so don't worry about yourself. <laughs> I was a nightmare at 19. You are fully put together i would never guess that you were 19 so don't worry about it well i just need to start making money and then and then i'll oh happy. that's the thing that happens sometime in your life it's undetermined it's like indeterminate you don't understand when it happens it just sort of does eventually but don't measure yourself by how much money you're making <laughs> yeah it's just like you know i want to move back out of my parents place sometime. yeah i get it <laughs> don't worry about it cool yep. okay Yep, I think we're going to wrap it up. Um, thanks so much for everybody that listened in. Um, I guess one last little question. Why are you obsessed with Garfield? So Garfield is important, and that's all I'll say. No, Garfield's not important. <laughs> I just So the reason I'm obsessed with Garfield is that it pisses so many of my friends off. Um, some people have Sonic, uh, a.k.a. half my friends that work at Flambeer have Sonic. <laughs> And uh, some people have uh, other forms of annoyance, and I have truly embraced the Garf. The Garf is my annoyance mechanism, and that's what I use. Fantastic. Did it. Got there. (laughs) All right, guys. Well, this is Felix. Um, If you want to stick around for a minute after uh, the 
we go off air, that would be fantastic. And yeah. yeah, thanks everybody listening in, everybody in the IRC, and of course you. Thanks for coming on. Oh no, thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you so much for thanking <laughs> me. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening in broadcast number 58 of Indie Radio. This broadcast is broadcast live with the 1000 mics and was recorded using Adosti. Our next show will be on April 11th, 2015 with Greg. Lobanov. 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 I knew Lobanov. that I was going to mess it yeah, up. Yeah, sorry. I knew I was going to correct you on I've that. I've heard it, like, pronounced different ways, and I can never Lobanov. remember. It's Lobanov, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I met him in Florida, and I specifically made sure never to say his name when he was on his bike trip. Uh, anyway, thanks again for listening, and have a fantastic weekend. <laughs>